Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Merry Christmas, Keegan. Early. Merry Christmas to you, early Christmas. Happy holidays, etc. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the new movie, Happiest Season, on Hulu. Now, I saw the trailer for this and was immediately like, yes, must watch, have to watch this movie, right? Yes. So I had already decided with um, my My Worst Eight co-hosts that we were going to do some bonus content where we talk about this movie. So Uh I knew I was going to be watching it. And then you said you wanted to watch it so that we could discuss as well, because there have been some takes on the internet about this yes. movie, which so, made us curious. Yes. So I didn't see the trailer. I didn't know what it was about. I didn't watch it until this morning. I very purposefully didn't look too far into it. I did, however, uh, talk to a childhood friend of mine over Instagram who is a lesbian, and she was saying that she and her girlfriend watched the movie together, and her girlfriend described it as the Joe Biden of gay movies. And I'm, that I am, is... I immediately texted you and I was like, we're doing this movie. Like, I didn't know. I just saw her post something about, you know, complaining about it, but also enjoying it. And I was like, oh, my God, I would love to know what you think before I see it. Right. I mean, I I have several friends, lesbian friends who watched this movie. Uh, One in particular (laughs) with her girlfriend, they sat down to watch this movie and they kind of like live Instagrammed, not like on Instagram live, but they kept doing updates throughout, like as they were drinking more and more wine. And it did progressively get to them just yelling, just yelling at the screen. So for people who don't know what this movie is about, let me just read the synopsis um, really quickly. So yes, please do. Abby Holland, Kristen Stewart and Harper Caldwell, Kenzie Davis are a lesbian couple living in Pittsburgh and have been dating nearly a year. Abby shares her dislike for Christmas since her parents passed away, so Harper spontaneously invites Abby to celebrate the holidays with her family in her hometown. So that's kind of the basic um, Wait, plot. that's the However, entire synopsis? That's what I was going to say. There's another synopsis here. I feel like if we combine them both, then we have like a full synopsis. So okay. the other synopsis is... A young woman with a plan to propose to her girlfriend while at her family's annual holiday party discovers her partner hasn't yet come out to her conservative parents. Yes. I feel like we need both halves of that. (laughs) I didn't know this. So I was going into it completely blank slate as far as the story goes. I didn't know who was the bad guy, who was the good guy. I knew there was going to be controversy. I didn't know what it was. I went in completely blind. From first glances, the first scene is... Kristen Stewart and I'm going to I'm not going to call them some are going to be character names some of them are going to be real names I'm sorry right. but the character names with some of them just didn't stick in my brain so Kristen Stewart and Harper are like doing this candy cane lane thing and Kristen Stewart just looks so like bummed to be there and we don't know why she just kind of looks like she's being a bit of a humbug it's a Christmas a movie little, a Grinch a little Grinchy right there's so, always one it's a Christmas movie it's a Christmas movie so what for me the first 
five minutes of the film, I'm like, oh, she's going to be the problem because she doesn't like Christmas and the girlfriend loves Christmas. And so there's going to be this like, it's going to be this like hijink, like one loves, one doesn't love Christmas. And so they're sitting on this rooftop of some stranger's house, which I would be really pissed about too. Risky already. I know. And they're looking at, you know, this candy cane lane, just all these lights. And it's this beautiful kind of small town setting. And, you know, Harper, the girlfriend, you know, looks at Kristen Stewart and says, you know, I would love for you to come home with me for the holidays. And Kristen's kind of like, I don't know. I just don't like Christmas. And I'm like, come on, chick. Like, just your girlfriend wants you to come home with her for the See, holidays. See, I knew where this was going. I, I didn't I, And know. I immediately, so I knew where this was going because I'd seen the trailer, right? And I'd seen, you know, my friend's Instagram stories yelling at the screen. Right. So right then, which is probably five minutes into the movie. Yeah. I'm already like, okay, we're not going to like Harper. I'm yeah. like, because I'm already annoyed. I'm already annoyed with you. Well, for even for doing this in the first place, for yes. insisting that she come with you. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You knew. And then, well, she, in her defense of that. So the next day, you know, it, there's like Christmas music playing when Harper wakes up in the morning and I'm going to switch it to Abby. I Abby, just remember her name. Yeah. Her name is Abby because saying Kristen Stewart every time is a lot. So Abby is like got the Christmas music on and she's making breakfast and like she's suddenly the opposite of what she was the night before. She's like, you know what? I'm going to give this Christmas thing a try because I love my girlfriend. I'm going to go home with her. It's going to make her so happy. And so she, you know, she tells her I would love to come home with you and Harper's face drops and I now was she's like trying to backtrack she's trying to backtrack what the fuck is going on here I was like wait 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 what is going on um so she does agree for Abby to come but she looks Which is ugh. very unsure okay here's I'm gonna say this about this movie okay it's it's hard <laughs> because this movie is a Christmas rom-com mm-hmm. there are they are always formulaic you have to suspend your disbelief to a certain amount um in order to watch them because in romantic comedies and in christmas movies people don't behave the way that they normally would behave the plot doesn't work if they do yes. right so like you just that's just part of it and you have right. to go along with it but looking at this from any semblance of reality her allowing her girlfriend to get in that car and start that drive, which we can only assume by information we learn later in the movie, is far. hours away. It's far. from she's right, stuck. And, and then and you are halfway <laughs> on the drive there. Oh, for me, I'm like, what, her. were you like at the base of the fucking driveway when you told her? Like, I don't know when in this trip they were, but they, uh, I don't even, I can't remember how it's brought up, but it is brought up that. Harper has not come out to her uber conservative uh, politician family members. Not only has she not come out, she lied to Abby. Yep. Because she had told Abby the previous summer that she had come out and her parents handled it very well. Yes. So Abby, I think it comes up in the car because Abby is talking to Harper and she's saying, I'm like so excited to meet your parents. I'm great with parents. They're going to oh, love yeah, me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and also she has decided she's brought a ring with her. She has decided she's going to propose. I'm sorry. It's a ask. really ugly ring. It's a I really like ugly it. ring. I like it. It was a square flat. It was a rectangle. Dime. It was flat and it had just a big ass gold band around it. No, that's not cute. 
I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at the ring. Okay, so we're, this is important. So we get in the car and she's saying, not only have I not come out to my parents, but you have to be straight too. Which I was like, stop the car. Stop Abuse, the movie. Take me home. Stop. I don't want to do this. That is the day that every LGBT plus person on that set should have been like, nope, we're going home. Well, the thing is, it's it was co-written and directed by Clea Duvall. Who's a lesbian? Who is like lesbian royalty. Yeah. Clea Duvall is amazing. I don't understand. So that part, I was, that was the first part that made me so mad. I'm like, so you are telling the person you love to not be themselves for the next five days when you're together. Cool. Well, cool. But, okay, again, and this is where I'm going to end up swinging back and forth on this movie because... Again, it is a Christmas romantic comedy. They have to do these kind of like wild hijinky things. But they shouldn't have done this. But the problem is when you do that in a movie like this, when you're when you're doing that with this kind of subject matter, it doesn't really work no. because there's real trauma behind this. Well, so it's not as funny. It's more it's it's traumatic it's to inf- ask somebody to go back into the closet yeah it's so infuriating and we understand we learn more about harper as we go along but i am very much a person that believes that in relationships you should get exactly what you expect and what you deserve and i just i'm i'm not a person who is part of the lgbtq community but from friends of mine that have said this being in a relationship with someone who is not out or is having trouble with their sexuality and you're not, you're very secure in it, you want to move forward, you want to have a life, that can make for a very difficult relationship. And that is very obvious here. And I just wish that we could have had some normal Christmas hijinks. Why do we have to make such a problematic lesbian couple for the first like gay Christmas movie ever? (laughs) I don't get it. Yes, their relationship was very toxic. What... (sighs) Okay, so I read a really <laughs> great article, um, which I'll link in the show notes, and okay. it's from denofgeek.com, but it was written by a self-proclaimed queer writer, Delia Harrington, and she made a lot of good points and um, a, lo- a lot of very valid criticisms of this movie. I don't necessarily have a problem with them trying to tackle these difficult topics, and one of the most the major difficult topic that they try and tackle in this movie is coming out, and coming out when you're uncertain um, at the reception that you're going to receive. And right. I think that that could have been dealt with uh, in this movie in a way that was nuanced and um, delicate, but that's not the biggest issue I had with this movie. The issue that I had was that Harper was just cruel. Yeah. She was just mean. And, and manipulative this is what, and gaslighty. Yes, this is what she wrote. Um, Delia Harrington wrote, where the script gets into trouble is that it doesn't distinguish between Harper being closeted and her poor treatment of Abby. The two are separate issues and treating them as one does no favors, favors to Harper nor others struggling with the closet. As Dan Levy's beautiful monologue late in the movie alludes to, the closet is a safety mechanism, but it's not a free pass to treat people like garbage. And then exactly. she went on to say, and I thought that this was perfect, you know, we'd had these conversations and we'll get more in depth um, as to what what we're talking about here but the closet didn't make Harper send Abby to the mall with her scary sister Mm -hmm. it didn't make her text Abby to come hang out and then ignore her so she could hang out with her Mm ex-boyfriend and it definitely didn't make Harper tell Abby she was suffocating her Mm -hmm. so 
that's kind of the issue I have with this movie is that it it's trying to package all of this as this is Harper dealing with her internal issues um, right. with not being able to come out. And sure, that's probably part of it. But yeah. more than that, she's just a bad girlfriend and a bad right. friend. Well, and this is the thing, and we don't get enough backstory of their relationship for me to want them to work it out. Me too. You know, like, Agreed. I didn't know that they had been together a year until you just said that, unless they said it in the movie, and I totally missed that. I didn't know how long they'd been together. I knew they lived they, together. They allude to that in the beginning, because in the opening sequence where it's all animated, they uh-huh. show them meeting and going through the seasons together. So oh, you're supposed you're to right. believe that they've already done Christmas and Thanksgiving already, or whatever. Yeah, okay, because I... And that's good and fine, but the as an audience, I still want to see them for more than a few minutes where they're a healthy, happy relationship because yes. to me, there was no reason for for Abby to want to stay with Harper. All of this seems so insane that this woman would put up with this. I was like, what are you like it was so infuriating because Abby needs to be protected and loved at all costs. And she was being treated like garbage his entire like movie. Garbage. Like so actual let's, garbage. Let's talk about Harper's family a little bit, shall we, once she shows up. So the cover story. So Abby is indeed an orphan. Her parents passed away. And Christmas, like Keegan said, was a big thing when she was younger. Not a big thing anymore. So the cover story that Harper says is that it's her like orphaned roommate that has nowhere else to go. And this uber conservative family takes her on as this like charity, charity case. case. Like the mm-hmm. mom is like happy to open our doors to those in need. And all of the siblings are like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And blah, blah, this blah, blah, is blah. the worst family of all time. Every the single only one, one of them suck except for Jane. Except for Jane. I was like the only one who's at all like tolerable is poor Jane and, and they Jane treat is barely Jane like tolerable. shit she's not she doesn't know how to be a person because her parents don't pay any attention to her and so they like, treat her like garbage in like, this movie they even admit it they're like oh she wouldn't stop biting in preschool so we just forgot Gave about up her I'm like about her uh, on her fuck like how what this family this is the most insane fictional family that's supposed to be like in a happy Christmas movie besides maybe the family stone that I've ever heard of. They're fucking insane. So honestly, then, this makes the family stone look like the Brady Bunch. Like it does. really. It does. It does. I would take the family stone family any day over this. I would creeps. not have stuck around. If I was Kristen Stewart's character, Abby, I would have been out of there like day two. They're so been mean like, to her. I'll get a hotel at least. Like if this is your family, like whatever, I'll tolerate them but I'm not staying with them um so she gets a tour of the house Abby is given this tour and they see Harper's room and there's like a big poster of like Josh Hartnett and like other guys on like her closet door and there's a picture that the mom put out of her with her high school boyfriend Connor and they're like oh well she's like mom you should put this away oh I just wanted to leave this out here you know and that becomes a running theme of the parents trying to set the daughter back up with the ex-boyfriend. So this obviously makes Abby very uncomfortable. And then she learns that they won't be staying in the same room because according to the mother, what two grown women would want to share a bed? Which lots of friends do that. That's not weird. No. At all. And I... Like, I have sleepovers still with just about one friend. My friend Lauren will have sleepovers sometimes and it's like, 
Yeah, you fucking snuggle up to your buddy. I guess not weird. Yeah, when my friend Amy came back home with me, we shared a room and we shared a bed. That's it's normal. So normal. I mean, I would say honestly, with the size of house they had, because that house was massive. I was amazing. I would say okay, it would make sense for her to have her own bedroom. I, I probably would do that if I had multiple bedrooms, but I wouldn't think that it was weird for them to be in the same room together if that's what they wanted to do. Totally. Well, and then Abby discovers that she's going to be staying in Jane's old room. And of course, Jane was subject to the basement uh, in a little room. Which is also like a storage closet. Like they keep things in there the like eat? stored in that room exactly and so she's like this like and jane is so proud of it she's like this is my room like you know and abby's like okay cool and like the door doesn't lock which i'm like no i need privacy like that would just be very uncomfortable to me the mom just always like stands there for too long after a conversation like it was just a very uncomfortable well, and scene. what kind of family is this where, like, they're sneaking around? Look, if this is your friend and your roommate, like, okay, if I went home with my friend for the holidays. If we went home for the holidays together. Right. If we went home for the holidays <laughs> together, if I went to your house for the holidays, your parents' house, and we were hanging up, to- like, hanging up in your room, talking all night. Yeah. Like, me sitting on your bed, chatting, talking, doing whatever. That's not a weird thing. So, I'm like, why are they having to sneak around? Like, they can't even... It, assuming that your your parents think that this is your roommate and your friend, it's not weird for you to be hanging out together. Yeah, the only thing is I think that these parents are like on another level of helicopter parenting, even with their adult children, that they need to be so like micromanagey that they're just always all over them. Because this entire movie, I was exhausted for Harper with the amount of errands her mother told her to run. I was like, no. <laughs> well, she also had no boundaries, which was yeah. a real problem. Like yeah. Harper was, even if they had not been dating, even if this had not been her partner, she was a bad friend. She was a bad host because yeah. she was constantly leaving her friend. Do you know how uncomfortable I would be if I went home with someone and they just left me alone constantly uh, with it their would family? Be awful. It would be terrible. Yeah, unless I was like, Really hitting it off with the family. Yes. And we exactly. were like besties. Like this Which is they clearly weren't. not the case. Her she I think she knows her family is fucking psycho. So she's got we've mentioned Jane, but we should mention the other sister, Sloane, who is played by Alison Brie. And Sloane is like this ice princess. We see, you know, the first morning that Abby wakes up, there's these like two kids in her room just staring at her. And then the scariest see, kids of all time. Uh, free, like the shiny Children level, of the corn, yeah. Creepy. Have you heard people um, refer to kids during this time as children of the corn? Of the corn, oh God. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? It's Nothing like they're has all made me be, They're all going to be like less. antisocial and like weird. They're going to be the children of the corn. Um, sorry, where was I? Okay, creepy children. And then Sloan, Allison Brie comes in. And she's like, hi, I'm Sloan. Takes the kids and leave. And Abby's like, I'm Abby. Hi. Like, you tell right away this woman is no fun, uh, not warm, not lovely at all. And Just mean. Like, that's the thing. I'm like, are we supposed she's to feel anything for any of these people? Like, I, that's what makes it so hard is that you... And I think it is partially what you were saying, where we don't get to see their relationship in a healthy way enough that her behavior along with the behavior of the family it doesn't make you want to root for them not at or all. their relationship or any of the characters really outside of 
Abby and when we meet Riley. Like that's really yeah, like and, those are who you root for. And John, Dan Levy's character. And, who and is Dan barely Levy's in character. it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So those are the only ones that we really want to root for. Yeah, I mean this so Sloane, you know, she's got the perfect family. She's got the two kids and the perfect husband and uh they make these gift baskets that Gwyneth Paltrow is selling for goop and you know they're they're very much that type of family. And now I should mention that the father is running for mayor. So each daughter, except for Jane, kind of has a role. And Sloane's role is being like the mom and having like the beautiful family for pictures and things like that to make her dad look good. Well, also because the family is so toxic and terrible, um, they constantly make Sloane feel bad because Sloane went to law school at this prestigious university yeah um had this incredible law career and then decided to give it up to have her children and this gift basket business which even though now they kind of use her and her perfect family uh as kind of fodder for his campaign it is also they make it very apparent that that lifestyle choice that she made was the wrong choice as yes. far as like like why would you give up all of this success this perceived success right um, well and it's and it's pigeonholing her like well if you're not going to be the successful sister we have to make you into what's going to be what i would assume is more of like a traditional family values yeah Mm -hmm. as kind of showing that side of his campaign because they never say it outright this dude is definitely a republican (laughs) this guy is a conservative piece of shit so you know it's definitely this idea of like traditional family values and sloan is kind of like their poster child for that so as long as she shows up with the kids and the husband and looks pretty you know that's all they really need and Harper is kind of more of the dad's helper you know she does a lot of the work on his speeches and helps him with a lot of his errands and clearly is very much a daddy's girl from what I could see where I can understand even more so how it would be hard to come out to the person that has the most power not only in your family but in the place that you live well and um, I imagine it's, could be scary. it's hard Yeah, and I can imagine it's hard already um, coming out just in general. Like, we've had our coming out stories. We've talked about some very difficult situations people have had coming out. But even more than that, compounded with that, is that he is running for mayor. And it is reiterated multiple times throughout the movie that they cannot do anything to jeopardize uh, his candidacy. Yes. They are in the midst of trying to land this like big donor who is going to help them win this campaign. Right. And so they have to appear above board all the time. They yes. cannot make any mistakes, which in Harper's defense even though I think she's a terrible person in her defense, um, that's extremely stressful. It's very scary as somebody who does not like disappointing my parents and has Mm -hmm. always carried that fear with me. Yeah. That would be, it would be hard. It It, would be really hard. It would be very hard. Yeah. I think that she definitely, you know, there's a reason that people are the way that they are. And I think looking at someone's childhood is the best way to, understand somebody and knowing that she probably grew up in a home that was not very filled with love and affection it makes sense that she would have a hard time expressing that kind of authentic love and affection to somebody else that she's in a relationship with even you know what I mean so it all makes sense to me but it still doesn't make her behavior excusable by any count so I don't know if it's the first night or pretty much right away. They go out to dinner. And it's the first night. Yeah. It's the first the night. The first night. <laughs> they, go to, they go to dinner. And 
For some reason, there's not enough chairs at this table, so they bring Abby the <laughs> tiniest chair. Which I'm like, you're at such an expensive restaurant. I'm like, they couldn't bring you like another chair. I don't. I why are you sitting so on a Why are you confused. sitting on a piano bench, my dude? And like, I'm so why? confused why they made that choice. It was so. I mean, yes, you see her sitting shorter than everybody else, and it's uh, the visual of her literally being. Okay, but Mackenzie Mackenzie Davis is like tall as hell. Harper, yeah, I'm like put her on the piano bench. She does like, offer to sit there, and Abby's like, "No, I'm good," which is totally something I would of, do. I'd be like, "No, I'm fine." I would be too, but also like I would. What kind of family makes the guest? Sit, sit on the, the piano bench. Like, I, they're the worst. They're, they're the, the worst, worst people. So she's sitting at this little chair, and lo and behold, high school ex-boyfriend Connor shows up. And I'm like, why? These parents, and like this, Connor becomes more of a problem, but it definitely starts in the but beginning you know of the movie. It's not Connor's fault. No, I, it's I the will parents. Come to, to Connor's defense, because I'm like, it's not his fault. No, he's it's not. just. <laughs> he was invited by the parents. I mean, he even he acknowledges that to Harper later, where he says, "You know, I I thought you knew I would be there and things like that." Like he seems like a genuinely really good guy, but he shows up to dinner, which of course is incredibly uncomfortable for Abby. And then the story is brought up where Harper had the chicken pox, and Abby gets so excited. She's like, "Oh my gosh, I know this story!" And like, I totally know what that is like where you feel like you can relate to someone you don't know about a person that you know. You can kind of tease them or like have a little inside conversation about them because you know that story. Well, when the parents tell it, they add an extra detail that Connor also got the chicken pox because Harper gave it to him. And so they were like hidden away, like having the chicken pox together. And it just sounded like this, this very romantic, romantic kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, Sick, it's like that episode of Friends with yes. Phoebe and Charlie Sheen, where they both have the chicken pox, <laughs> but they can't keep their hands off each other. That's what I'm picturing. Exactly. Or Monica when she's sick and she's just like, "Do want to get with this?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but totally. So Abby is kind of taken aback by this. Like, why didn't you just tell me the whole story? Which to me is another huge red flag because if I am telling a story where an ex-boyfriend is involved in it, even if it's not an important part of the story, it always comes out of my mouth anyways because it doesn't fucking matter. It's an ex. You're not with them anymore. It's another part of your life that doesn't take away from your current life, especially when it's a funny story about you getting the chicken pox. I don't think Abby would have been that upset had Harper well, actually told her the true story. I, I agree with you. And I, I would say, you know, if Harper had left it out, I don't necessarily think that that would, for me, be like the biggest red flag. Right. For me, the bigger red flag is that you brought this person that you love, supposedly, yeah, home to your family without preparing you at all. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, she should have gotten a binder with pictures. And, right. If your family like, is that nuts... You have to prepare people before. Look, my family has their their weirdness and their issues. And I prepare people before they meet my family. And I love my family. But I'm like, look, there's some weird shit here. Like, I'm just letting you know what my people are like. So that you don't go in blind. That is common courtesy. (laughs) Especially like if somebody is like particularly blunt or doesn't have a filter. I always appreciate it when somebody warns me because then I don't automatically assume those people hate me. Exactly. You know, like exactly. Just a bit of context would be good. So then, 
I don't know. I my notes I put in order as I was watching the movie, but I don't know if like how much past this is. But the next thing I have written is Aubrey Plaza looks so good. Oh, girl, it's hot. Okay, so they're at the <laughs> restaurant together, and you know when they're telling the chicken pox story. Harper is like, hey, come to the bathroom with me. She's really trying to get Abby out of that situation as quickly as possible. And on their way to the, or coming out of the bathroom, they run into Riley, who is Abby Plaza, who looks fantastic. And both women, Harper and Abby, like can't breathe in her presence because she's so sexy. Can I admit something to you? Yes. I'm not a big Abby Plaza fan. What? I... (sighs) This is the first time I've ever seen her in anything that I've genuinely liked her in. I love her. I I don't like the fact that she never lets up the gimmick that she's this weird, sarcastic girl. I'm like, you're not acting like a human being. Just shut it off for a second. Like, I don't know. People like that that just seem like they're on all the time, I don't trust. I don't like it. She always plays the same role in the same character. She swears a lot. She's vulgar. She's blah, 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 blah. This is the first thing that I saw her in where I was like, you're a good actor. You are fine the way you are. If you would just be yourself and act, you're going to get so far in this industry, girl, because that's the first thing that I could tolerate her in ever. I couldn't tolerate wow. her in parks and rec wow i really feel like you just went in on aubrey plaza there i'm really uh, sorry as a person i'm (laughs) sure she's a wonderful nice human but i don't i just don't like disingenuine people and to me she seems very disingenuine whenever i've seen her in an interview she seems like she always wants to get attention and she's got an antic but this movie is changing my opinion of her drastically so i had to at least let that confession out because this was a very monumental moment for me of actually having like the hots for Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> hot. She's hot. She's real hot. I actually, and I got to admit, I I was more attracted to Kristen Stewart in this movie than I was to Aubrey Plaza, though. I got to say, Kristen looked good. She looked real good. She the did low, look good. The low cut button shirt she wears at the end with the open tie. And she's got the blonde hair that's like pushed way to the side and the clips. Like if I had to go on a date with either of them, Kristen Stewart, 100%. I think I would choose Aubrey Plaza, but we should really get back to the movie because we are 30 minutes into this episode and we are like 20 (laughs) minutes into the movie. So we have too much to say. Okay, so we meet Aubrey Plaza. uh, We meet Riley. Sorry. And um, the next thing that I have here is. And Riley is Harper's ex-girlfriend. So she we don't know this at this point, do we? We we do. Well, we kind of do. So they they meet her. And then as soon as Riley goes into the bathroom, Abby turns to Harper and says, Riley, the Riley. Right. So we get the kind of like, okay, there's something there. There's some kind of relationship that that they've had. And that was her. Oh, and actually, sorry. She actually says she says, are we going to run into any more of your exes tonight? So you get the, you're, okay, you're like, okay, the idea is that this is someone that she's dated. Yes. I, I mean, I did I did get that, but I didn't, I couldn't remember if she had known that before or if she had just learned that then. Um, but I definitely, as soon as I saw how both of them looked at her, I was like, this is going to be a problem. This is definitely going to be a problem. And it was. Um, so Abby is feeling a lot of this pressure and really feeling a lot of what's going on. So she calls 
Dan Levy, she calls John, and he is me and you in this movie. He's all of us watching this movie. hundred percent. Mm-hmm. That is yelling at her, telling her that she's worth so much more than she's getting and is like, if you need me, I'm there, you know? And I love it, too, because, like, whenever... He's the biggest feminist in this movie, too. He is. <laughs> he's and amazing. When, and I love it, because when he's hard on her, the next day he calls her, and he, he was like, I really should have just given you the space to share. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's me. <laughs> that's what I do (laughs) Um, so he's amazing he is the saving grace of this film I think him and Aubrey Plaza honestly I think and Jane I liked Jane Jane was cute Jane I was give or take they made her too annoying so they go skating which I'm like, I'm there. I'm excited. I really miss going skating, actually. But again, they're doing something. All of these activities, they they don't take Abby into consideration at all. Whereas, like, if I have a guest, like, I'm 100% going to take you into consideration for activities that we do, things yeah. that maybe you might enjoy. And it doesn't matter if this is my, like, my child's partner right like if it's my child's friend and they bring them home and they're obviously they're not with their family on christmas they're with you would want to make them feel comfortable of course of course and like i'm not saying going ice skating is like the worst thing i'm just saying it's on top of it's just one thing after another where they're clearly choosing activities that Abby is not interested in or good at. Yes, Abby is not a good skater. She is very stuck with her little reindeer helper. And in the meantime, the other sisters are kind of skating around the rink. And we start to see this very unhealthy, competitive relationship between Harper and her sister Sloan. They... This made me laugh because they were like, I bet I can do two laps around the rink in a minute. And I was like, slow pokes. Um, but And she's like, oh, I bet I can do it even faster. So Jane has to set this timer and they start, you know, skating and they're like running people down and they're falling. And it's just this very childish display of competition that I would if I was Abby I would be very embarrassed to concerned be around well, con- yes <laughs> if you have not seen your significant other behave this way and you're seeing them behave this way now I would be worried yeah about this it, it, not that in itself because like that I'd be like okay they have some kind of weird childhood rivalry sibling rivalry thing I could write that off if that's all it was but it's not because the next thing that you see is that they end up going to this like fundraising event for um Harper's dad yeah it's this this big fundraising event they end up at this fundraising event and immediately the dad takes Harper away to go show her off and introduce her to all of these donors yeah leaving poor Abby alone I know which is really, and they touch on it because Sloan, who is a terrible person, yeah. But Sloan even mentions it where she comes up to her and is like, "Hey, if my friend took me to a party and then left me alone, I wouldn't be having a very good time." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's it's true. She's having kind of a miserable time. This whole um, trip is nothing but miserable. She really is having a rough go at it. So she decides to go outside. She's on the phone with her friend John, Dan Levy, again. And he says a line that I loved so much. He just says, stop being a doormat, you fool. 
Um, so she's having another conversation with him. And as this is going on, Riley comes out or maybe no, she's already out, but we don't see her. <laughs> we see Riley and Riley kind of overhears the conversation where Abby is discussing the fact that Harper isn't out to the family and so on and so forth. And Riley mentions that she knows the feeling. And Abby kind of pretends that she doesn't know what she's talking about because she's trying to come off as being the straight friend. She doesn't know this person. I'm sure she wants to kind of protect that secret. Um, But one of my favorite parts of the movie is when uh, Riley compliments Abby on her jacket and she's wearing the same one. At at that moment, I was like, they need to end up together. Well, yeah, okay. Here's another mistake of the movie. Um, Overall, I think that the casting was, was good. I think it was very good. The mistake that they made, though, is Kristen Stewart and Aubrey Plaza have such a natural chemistry together um, mm. and no shade uh, against Mackenzie Davis. She's no. fine. But her chemistry with Kristen Stewart is fine, but it is not nearly as natural right. as what you feel between Aubrey Plaza and Kristen Stewart. Their chemistry is just, they have this innate kind of yeah. the way that they relate together. So well, and that's why they do like chemistry reads and things for movies and TV right. shows, because it's not just about having two talented actors. It's about having two t- talented actors that can portray the story that you want that connect yeah like, <laughs> i just watched because um we just did a crazy in love movie for my worst date for of twilight so i just rewatched twilight oh my god the relationship <laughs> or the chemistry that Kristen stewart has with aubrey plaza is like eight hundred thousand times better than the chemistry she has with robert pattinson in you twilight. know like, it is <laughs> you know she had a crush on aubrey plaza though and had no feelings for either of the other two i mean like yeah. she totally like, I've had that where I don't actually get crushes on people, but if I'm in a scene with someone where I'm having to show affection, you do have a certain, like, bond and chemistry that becomes very, very apparent. You should, to those who are watching yes. it. And you should, mm-hmm. exactly. And so that was a big issue for me. And what's funny is Mackenzie Davis was in the episode of Black Mirror called San Junipero, mm-hmm. which was this huge, like, lesbian story, again. And her chemistry with her co-star in that was impeccable. She was great. So it's not about her being a bad actor. It's just that they didn't they didn't have chemistry at all. And Aubrey Plaza and Abby had chemistry out the wazoo. So that night, they're kind of going their separate way for bedtime. And Abby's brushing her teeth. And she sends a silly photo to Harper. And things start to get a little sexy. You know what I mean? They're, you know, got a couple of stories between them. And they're not with each other. I'm sure that that would kind of build the anticipation of being together. So Abby decides that she's going to try to sneak through the house to get to Harper. Which I'm like, wouldn't it have been so much easier for Harper to go to her? And wouldn't that have been less suspicious? First of all, that. Second of all, just like we were talking about earlier... This is your friend. There would be nothing weird about being like, hey, I just wanted to come up and um, talk to Harper, you know, before I go to bed. I haven't seen my friend all day because she left me at the party. So I just wanted to catch up, you know. Exactly. Well, and I wonder, because they keep referring to her as the roommate. So I wonder if they think that they're not that close of friends, but she brought her along because she doesn't have anywhere to go. You know, they weren't clear on the fake relationship either. Um, The part I thought was really funny is that at one point, Abby has to hide in a closet. And when the mom finds her, says, Abby, what are you doing in the closet? Wow. (laughs) Which was very on the nose for me. On the nose. Yep. So Harper eventually does go down to the room, as she should have in the first place. She kind of sneaks down there. They get to spend the night together. But unfortunately, Harper falls asleep before she can sneak back up to her room. And... 
because there is no privacy in this home, the mother pounds on the door at who knows what time in the morning. And both women have to I think to, like, she just straight tries to open it, but she can't because there's a box in front of the yes, door. Yes, that's right. Which is like, you have to, what are you doing? You and she's to like, go into someone's room. And she's like, why are you blocking the door? And so Abby has said that she was sleepwalking when she was caught. She's like, oh, I was trying not to sleepwalk. So Harper has to hide behind the door. But you know how when your door is very wide open, the gap on the hinges becomes quite large. So Harper is hiding and the little boy, her nephew, like stares at her with his creepy dagger eyes and he fucking knows that she was there. And I'm like, oh shit, this isn't good. I don't trust that kid as far as I can throw him. And I was right because the next scene, Abby is stuck going to the mall with well but she's stuck going to the mall because her shitty girlfriend like is like you can go to the mall with sloan right what about their relationship would why would you put your girlfriend in a situation like that yeah why would when you do you, that she hates her sister why would she want the person she apparently loves to go with the person she can't stand it doesn't Hor- really horrible. make any sense horrible i think it's because well she had to get like a white elephant gift or whatever so she's like oh just go to the mall with my sister hmm, great so she is left with the two shining children, for some reason, Sloane goes elsewhere. And they're walking around the store, and Abby's kind of trying to, you know, relate to the kids and things like that. And this little girl picks up a necklace and puts it in Abby's bag. So as Abby is leaving, there is a woman there that she recognizes from the party the night before as a friend of Harper's father. And as she's leaving the store... You know, the alarm starts blaring and she looks like she just shoplifted this necklace. And instead of Harper, you know, coming to her defense more, she just kind of lets the family think that Abby is mm-hmm. this like mm-hmm. criminal. They, Yeah, she does. She doesn't stand up for her at all. She's a terrible a terrible partner. She yeah. has a terrible girlfriend. She really, really is. And there was another event or something going on that night and Harper had to tell Abby that she couldn't attend because of the shoplifting incident. It would look too bad on her family, which I was like, fuck you. You're going to go and have like a party again tonight and I'm going to have to sit home in someone else's house? Awful. That sounds horrible. Uh, so because she's left alone, Abby decides to go out and she's kind of walking through the street and of course runs into Riley and it's like the heavens sing and they decide to go to a bar together and not just any bar Riley takes Abby to a drag bar and you really can't blame you really really can't blame Abby for going with Riley no like at all because she's making like a new she friend. has she has nobody right like so that will come up later whenever there's a little bit of jealousy on Harper's end because it's but it's like what was she supposed to do you left her alone she has no one she's in a strange town you know exactly so they go to this drag bar and that's again one of my favorite scenes it was so much fun again their chemistry is off the charts they're amazing oh this is when we learn that a little bit more about Riley and Harper's story So Riley and Harper were like best friends through all of their childhood, but they started becoming more than that their freshman year of high school. And they would write like cute little love letters to each other and stick them in their lockers. And it was just this very sweet, like first relationship kind of vibe. And then one day a classmate finds one of Riley's letters in Harper's locker and Harper completely outs Riley, says she's a lesbian and she won't stop leaving me alone, which 
turns into this horrible experience for Riley going to school, being bullied and harassed for being gay (laughs) and not leaving her alone. Like this was her best friend. Mm -hmm. Her best friend and her first love. Yeah. She and look, she's a kid. And we do shitty things when we're children. Like everyone does. Everybody has. But as we'll see later on in this movie, this movie really lets Harper off the hook for everything. Everything. They say that that's okay. You know, and that's the thing is that, you know. Because she was going through her own shit. So it's all right. Exactly. And it's like, it's it's still not okay that she did that. Not at all. And it completely, you know, probably was very traumatizing for Riley to have to go through school being outed. I mean, that is the meanest thing. And this happens twice in the movie where they talk about outing or actually out somebody else, which was so frustrating to see. So hearing that story was very, very sad to me. And then later in that night, Abby was invited to come out with Harper and her high school friends. And the two girls that she was friends with in high school are totally on board for Harper getting back together with ex-boyfriend Connor and like kind of making comments that make Abby very uncomfortable. And while they're at this bar... Abby should not have been invited to this. This is another thing. Harper's treatment of Abby is cruel because to invite your girlfriend out and to not make her feel included in any way... Yeah. Uh, with your friends to not make any effort yeah I would never do that like you always you want the person who's with you whether it be your friend your partner to feel included and basically she spends the entire night with her back to her girlfriend yeah talking to her ex-boyfriend or her friends and when Abby finally says to her you know what like I'm not really feeling comfortable I want to go home yeah after having left her alone all night, all day, abandoned her at the at the thing the night before. Um, they didn't spend any time spent, together at all. They didn't go to the mall exactly. together. They didn't go out to dinner mm-hmm. together. They haven't seen each other this entire trip. Right. And instead of saying, you know what, you're right. Like, let's go home. Yeah. She says, actually, I'm having a really good time. So you can get an Uber home back to my parents' house. Yeah. Right. And she's like, I'm not going to stay out late. You know, don't worry. I'm just going to stick around for a little bit longer and I'll be home. Just texting you. Good home. It's it's all very not okay. It's It's really not okay. If I if I'm out with Max and I'm giving him that look and I'm like, we need to go home. I expect that he knows that he needs to get me the fuck home and he needs to go with me. (laughs) And the thing is, not always. Right. Right, Like there have been times you're your own people. Sometimes you want to stay out later than someone else. Totally, That's okay. But in this particular situation, she is in an unfamiliar place, right? Like this is not her family. Your family hates her. Yeah. They think that she just shoplifted. You're going to send her back to that snake pit by herself. Yeah. Um, and that, and you haven't seen her for days. Mm -hmm. You've abandoned her. And you're spending a lot of time very close to your ex-boyfriend, which, right is weird to do in front Mm -hmm. of your current partner. So Abby goes home and she's, you know, sending, I related to this so much, sending the goodnight text and not getting anything in response and just feeling like a fucking idiot and going to sleep, not feeling great. And then when she wakes up, she realizes that Harper didn't come home until like two in the morning. And when she goes up to confront Harper about that, but not actually not even confront her. She just asked her if she was okay or what was going on the night before, right? Right. Yeah, it was not a confrontation. Yeah. She went upstairs and she just said, hey, I just want to make sure you got in okay. 
because the text response from Harper was very cold. Yeah. Because Abby had written, I love you, good night. And she just wrote back, home safe, period, night. Period. That's right. Basically. That's right. And she also lied to her boyfriend the night before when they were going their separate ways when the bar closed. Again, I don't blame Connor because Connor was just like, hey... Was there someone why did else? You, why did you really break up with me? Was there someone else? Which, as we know now, even if there wasn't someone else, she's not straight. <laughs> like, that was the issue. But sh- you can tell it. I don't know if it's a lie. Like, I don't know if there was someone else or not. But it feels like a lie. Her face. It feels like she's lying like a to lie. Him. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and if she's not lying about actually having someone else, like you said, she, you know, she's she's gay. She's not straight. She doesn't love him that way, which I think it could very well be both. You know, not being able to come forward about your sexuality to end the relationship. So having to say something else or maybe there was another woman in her life. I don't know. Um, But this is really the first time that we see Abby kind of stand up for herself a little bit uh, with Harper where she's just like, no, because this is when Harper says, like, you're smothering me. And it's like, right, you're, you're trying to keep tabs on me. Why are you being so like, I need space. Yeah. She says those things to her. And, and you Abby's had nothing like, but space, yes. bitch. You've had nothing but space since you've been home and you're acting like you don't even know who Abby is. You're acting like she doesn't exist. It's cruel. It's horrible. And so Abby, I think, is at this point finally starting to get it. And I am just screaming at the TV for her to run at this point. Yes. Um, I also wrote here, I'm sorry, Harper is so boring. She's the most basic of Republican white chicks. She's she's there is no I don't understand the relationship. I really don't. I don't get it at all. Yeah. But at this point, Abby goes back to her room. She calls uh, she calls Dan Levy, John, and she basically tells him, like, I just want to get out of here. Yeah. But I can't because I tried to get an Uber and it's a thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, so I'm stuck here, I guess. Yeah. And that night is supposed to be the infamous Christmas party. Her yes. mom throws this incredible Christmas party where so, Abby was originally planning to propose to Harper. Well, she was going to propose Christmas morning. Christmas morning. That's She was going to mm-hmm. ask the father for permission for his daughter's hand. And I thought it was mm-hmm. funny when Dan Levy is like, way to stick it to the patriarchy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He has a real issue with marriage in this movie, which I think is pretty funny. Um, so, yeah, this is a very heartbreaking thing where she doesn't, you know, Harper doesn't even realize that Abby wanted to propose and now she's being completely pushed away abby wants to go home but she's stuck so the party gets going it's a white elephant party people start arriving and she's hanging out with riley of course her one friend riley has arrived they are drinking together riley can tell that abby is having a really hard time it's very obvious why she's having a hard time meanwhile harper is over in the corner corner with connor and her friends uh as usual talking (laughs) flirting really yeah Um, very flirty and meanwhile harper is getting more and more jealous of abby's relationship with riley because she saw them walking together earlier in the day yes and now they're sitting together having a drink but it is very fucked up for her to be jealous yeah um about a situation that she created like if you spent more time with your girlfriend she she wouldn't be clinging to anyone because no one else is giving her any attention well, right. and or if, friendship and if harper would have just talked to her about it because when riley is trying to you know talk with abby and cheer her up abby's not even responding like at one point you know riley jokes about having killed her parents and abby's like yeah that's cool like she's she's her mind is on harper her mind is not on riley that's the thing and if she were to just have a conversation with abby about 
being uncomfortable about her being so close with Riley, Abby would then have the opportunity to say, no, you're the only person that I want. I think she's cool, but I love you. You know what I mean? Instead, it automatically goes to this like crazy, jealous accusation when, like you said, she was the one that set it up to begin with. Right. So they end up having a bit of a tiff and Abby runs off. Harper kind of, uh, well, actually, John does come in at that point and he tries to pass himself off as Abby's ex-boyfriend. Straight ex-boyfriend, which for Dan Levy is a challenge. It's a challenge. It's very clear that's part of the comedy, but it's fun. Um, But, you know, so Abby is sitting there and she's watching Harper and Connor and they do seem very close and they seem very flirty. Yeah. And she gets up out of her seat at that point. She goes over to Harper and she says, I'm done. Yeah, this is over. And then she she walks away. That's when Harper follows her into the basement and they have this big blow up. And that is the first time that Harper follows Abby in this entire movie. Abby follows Harper around the entire time. And now that she's scared that she's going to lose her girlfriend suddenly she's like, oh, no, 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 please don't go, please don't go. It's so gaslighting. It drives me crazy because they're having this argument and Abby's just like, I don't want to be hidden. Like, I don't want to be anybody but who I am. And Harper completely turns it around on herself about how she's hiding. It's so hard for her. And Abby runs to her and hugs her and says, you're not losing me, you're not losing me. And I'm like, girl, no, she is manipulating you. That was in my, I mean, I knew that was going to be a problem from the time I saw the trailer. I saw the trailer. And that line was in the trailer where Abby says to Harper, you're hiding me. And Harper says, no, I'm hiding me. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I knew that was going to be a problem from the moment I saw that in the trailer. Because while it's true and while it's meant to tug on our heartstrings as like this is obviously emotionally very difficult for Harper. It is not we have to stop this narrative that because and we see it a lot in um, straight rom-coms all the time Mm -hmm. with like tortured boys, tortured men. Yeah. um, Or damaged manic pixie dream girls where because you have some kind of trauma or something that you're working through that that means that I need to just be whatever you need me to be until you work through this thing. Exactly. And yes, being in a relationship is about helping someone through their difficult times. It's about being a support to someone and having being someone that someone can lean on. Yes, that's part of being in a relationship, but just allowing someone to treat you like shit because they're working through their own shit is not what we should be promoting. Well, no, and it's it's not helping the relationship. If there's only one side of someone giving, and I, I am definitely guilty of this because I am a giver to a fault, um, it doesn't give the other person a chance to give back. You know what I mean? It becomes very much this almost like caretaker situation, and that's what I saw once... Abby discovered that Harper hadn't come out. It was always about Harper and making sure she was okay rather than honoring how she was feeling and letting Harper, you know, support her in that. It was all about it was all about Harper. And that was where I could not believe that Abby was like, you're not going to you're not going to lose me. You're not going to lose me. And I'm like, no, please go. And then they kiss and Sloan comes downstairs and sees them. Kiss. Which there were hints kind of throughout the movie that Sloane was 
picking up on some things. Yeah. Um, and it was also very clear that this is the last person you wanted to find out this secret because she was looking for ammunition against Harper. She didn't like being second best as she saw it in her father's eyes. Yeah. So as soon as she got that information, you could tell it was going to be an issue. Right. Um, but as, as, you know, Harper's chasing after her to try and get her to not out her essentially they find out that her husband has been cheating on her um well i was not cheating on her i was confused i was like do they have an open relationship at this point i'm very confused about what's going on yeah it was it was a little confusing at this point but she finds him making out with someone and it's it's obviously not a surprise right like it's not like you're not upset that he's kissing someone right yeah that's not what you're upset about so they end up getting into a massive fight culminating another in physical fight where they're like choking each other with a christmas garland and like they knock a tree over jane's painting gets destroyed Ugh. and it's the one time that we see jane stand up for herself and yes. basically say like i matter in this family i'm happy with myself even if you guys aren't happy with me which i thought was a very triumphant moment yeah for jane. definitely um and then it does culminate in one of the most horrifying things that we see in this movie. I wanted to chuck my cell phone at the TV when I saw this. Right, it, it's terrible. It's in front of all of Harper's friends and family. Um, her sister outs her yeah. in front of everybody and says, Harper is a lesbian and Abby is her girlfriend, not her roommate. And for a moment, you know, there's this, your heart breaks for Harper, I yeah. think, kind of for the first time. But that is quickly diminished because harper looking into her girlfriend's eyes says she's lying i'm not a lesbian none of this is true and it's the same thing she did to riley yes and riley and riley is there and she looks disappointed and abby is heartbroken and she runs out of the house she's determined to end things um at this point yeah and after the party is over, the dad and mom kind of sit down and they say, Sloan, how dare you lie about your sister I like know. this? And at that point, Harper does come out to her family. Yeah. She tells them, you know, we've always felt like we've had to earn your love. I never felt like I could say these things in front of you or to you because I was worried you would stop loving me. And it's at that point that Sloan also says, all I am to you is a wife and mother. And I couldn't tell you that we've been separated and we're getting divorced. Yeah. You know, and then Jane comes forward and says, I don't have any secrets, but I'm an ally. She's lovely. I love her. <laughs> I love it so and much. And at the same time that this is happening, Dan Levy is having a conversation with um, Abby, which I actually think is a no. Really this was in fr- this was in front of Abby when Harper comes out because then Abby is standing there and still decides to leave. Do you remember oh, that? Right, because they they come back inside to get her. Thing. Oh, sorry, I'm getting I'm getting things confused. Yes, yeah, so no, no, no. You're not. They're you're not. So Dan Levy and and Kristen Stewart, um, Abby are outside talking, and she's upset. She's heartbroken. And they have this really wonderful conversation where he, she is saying, how could she do this to someone that she loves? And 
he is trying to make her understand like, hey, when you came out, what was it like for you? And she said, well, my parents were very supportive. And he said, well, that's wonderful. But my parents kicked me out of the house and I didn't speak to my dad for 13 years right. when I came out. And it's it's a difficult journey for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that that was, it was a beautiful moment. I don't necessarily love that it was kind of used almost as an excuse for Harper's behavior. Right, that was what I was confused about because I loved... If, if this was a moment just for Abby to have a better understanding of Harper in general, I think it's a great conversation to have. If this is a conversation that John is having with Abby as a way to convince her to go back to Harper, I don't agree with that. So it depends Which I don't on what think the, it was. I don't think it was either, but I think it depends on how people are going to perceive it. Because when I watched it, I was more so focused on just his character and what he was going through in this moment of a very real event that happens for a lot of you know gay people that their parents it did still rub me the wrong way because I think that it was still put in there as a way for him to kind of let Abby soften to Harper well the thing is (laughs) this movie is is disjointed because I think they wanted to tell that message all along. Yeah. I think that that was a big part of what they wanted to do. I don't think they executed do you think it very that well. That was the moral of the story, or the whole point of the movie was like Harper struggling to come out, or do you think the point of the movie was Abby? Because I thought Abby was the protagonist. Abby is the protagonist, yeah. but I think the the coming out message and how difficult that yeah. is was supposed to be as uh, the, the moral of the right. story, right? Um, I think that it was, but that's what makes this so difficult because they tried to wrap all of that in with rom-com tropes um, and they made the characters so unlikable yeah. that we didn't that it them. was then... Yeah, that it was then difficult. And and even after that, like for me, okay, so let's just kind of fast forward. Let's let's fast forward. What ends up happening, Abby decides to leave and (laughs) Harper makes the smallest of grand gestures uh, by just finding her at a gas station and saying, I love you. I'm sorry. I'll never do this again. I want to be with you. I'm going to spend the rest of my life making this up to you. I'm going to be different. I'm going to change. And if I had a nickel... For the amount of times I had heard that exact speech and they didn't change, I would be a very wealthy woman, Keegan. Like that. Right. Well, and the thing is, it is different now because she is out to her family and that is something and that will change the dynamic of of this situation. Right. right? And again, we don't know enough about what their relationship was like before this trip to know if making that decision is good or bad. All we know is that the viewer feels as though they should break up. Like that's what the viewer feels. If they had set it up more so that we had an understanding of this year long complex relationship, you know, I think that it would be different because we don't really know or like, you know, (laughs) right. And four days, four days out of a year long relationship, four bad days is not necessarily relationship destroying. Right. But we don't know that because we haven't seen it. So all we want is for Abby to piece the and fuck go out. And go hook up with go Riley. Go hang out with Riley. Yeah, like that's what we yeah. want because well, that's all we've been given as an audience. And we get just the most 
typical of rom-com endings. You know, all of the sisters come forward and say their secrets. And then later the mother finds the father and also opens up about, you know, the things that she's been suppressing in her life to make him happy. And then the next morning, you know, he comes downstairs for Christmas and he, you know, admits that he's taken all of their savings into this campaign. And, you know, he's got this secret too. And then suddenly everybody's like a really good person and really and Wait, really oh no, welcoming and really loving and like the best family ever. I would it doesn't it make sense. No the sense. ending of this movie makes no sense. The script it just betrays all of their characters yeah. essentially. Everything that you have been spending all of this Sloan time becomes like nice. building up. The kids right, are Sloan becomes nice. The kids aren't creepy anymore. Harper's family accepts her with like only a, a minor hiccup um, in in the very beginning. We forgive the father being a raging homophobe. Well, right. Also with, because like, he turns down the donor who says that, you know, Harper should take the don't ask, don't tell approach with her private life. And the dad, you know, rightly so, decides that that is not a good idea for his family. And he makes a very good decision. But yeah, but none of this is it's we, not where real. Were these people, right? Like, yeah, these these weren't. This isn't in the characters that you have set up yeah. for us. Like this is not in their personalities. So this ending, and yes, it's a rom com. It's a Christmas movie. It was always going to end happily, yeah. right? Like it was always going to end it as a happily ever after kind of bow cherry on top. It was always going to be that, but it feels disjointed and disingenuous. I was not happy when it was like one year later and we see them all back together for Christmas. I was not happy to see Abby with they that family. They treated her so badly. No, I would not forgive um, them that easily. Even like there's no way in hell that a real person would change that quickly their entire character. But I, I don't know. I Maybe I'm just a resentful person, but I would have a very hard time having that level of comfort around a family that treated me so particularly horrible that you're mm-hmm. just totally cool with coming back for Christmas the next year because now they're totally fine with her and Sloan is normal and Jane is becoming successful and it's like everything is completely different 365 days later. Yes. Now, okay. With all of that said, I will say this. I love rom-coms even if they're cheesy and terrible. I love Christmas movies, even if they're cheesy and terrible. There were things about this movie that were charming. I would watch this movie again. Like, I I didn't hate the movie. I didn't hate the movie. I just have issues with the way the relationships are portrayed, which I always do with rom-coms. I I will say that they're always portrayed badly. (laughs) They're always toxic, almost always. Um, In these situations, that's where the conflict comes from. Most of the time. But like this one in particular, I don't I don't know if I would watch this movie again. It was fine. I mean, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed watching it. I really, really enjoyed watching it, but it made me so mad that I don't think I would go out of my way to watch it again. Just seeing somebody gaslighting somebody for two hours and somebody else being in emotional turmoil for two hours, this was not a happy Christmas movie to me. This was a very sad, like drama trying to throw in some wacky comedy like I just felt nothing but sad for Abby the entire time you know the moments of relief were great but I don't think I can put myself through that movie again Mm, I don't know I mean I I definitely felt like it was a comedy I felt like it was a comedy I thought the performances were great the cast was great the soundtrack was great you thought the Um, soundtrack was was good 
Oh yeah, I liked I hate it. I like the Christmas, Christmas movies. music. It's so cheesy. I like it. Ugh, it's it's all cheesy. But it's like all Christmas music is cheesy. On Christmas, all of it. you're mine. I'm like, what are you saying? Okay, but like, what did we think about old Christmas? We just weren't around when the old ones came out. It's all I know, bad. But all of it's I, bad. I have a very strong stance on no new Christmas music. I don't like any of the modern stuff. I'm not going to listen to Justin Bieber's Christmas album. I'm not going to listen to Taylor Swift's Christmas okay, album. Okay, Grandma. All Give right. me some rocking around the Christmas tree. That's all I care about. I don't need this like weird you sound 85 years old. i am 85 years old keegan my like 2020 wrap-up for the year on spotify was only like 50s 60s and 70s music i swear i look like i'm ancient by what i listen to and how i speak apparently well i enjoyed the soundtrack and it was almost (laughs) all um lgbtq artists was it really okay then i'm I'm sorry Mm -hmm. for talking shit on your music i think that's great but I couldn't stand the soundtrack. I thought it was all very cringy. But again, I think, you know, I'm not a Hallmark movie fan. I'm not a, I'm I'm not, I like all that I like some rom-coms, but I'm not even like, if I'm with my girlfriends, I like watching them, but on my own, I'm not a big rom-com watcher. So I think for me, it's just not my cup of tea necessarily to watch over and over again, but I thoroughly enjoyed watching it this time. And I really enjoyed watching it. Uh, with the perspective of knowing that I'm going to talk about it because I think if I was just watching it as a viewer, I probably would have turned it off because it would have frustrated me so much. Don't like it. Well, don't like watching it. You'll be gaslit. <sighs> to sum up this article that I, I read again by Delia Harrington, she kind of summed it up in a way that I thought was really nice. She said, it's possible to appreciate a movie and still want better from it. And for our community, happiest season feels like a stepping stone, a necessity to get us to a different, hopefully better place in queer filmmaking In happiest season. What romantic comedies usually play for as hijinks smacks a bit harder when underneath it is the reality that Harper's family could disown her or harm Abby, making it hard to enjoy this movie as it was intended. And I think that that's it. That's exactly how I feel like the movie. If you just watch it strictly from a romantic comedy Christmas movie standpoint can be an enjoyable watch. But if you look at it a little bit deeper, a little bit harder, especially when taking into account the community it's made for, um, it's it's a little bit harder to look at as kind of a light and frivolous movie. And so I would suggest watching it. You know, it broke records. It was the most watched original film debut on Hulu ever. Well, it was supposed to come out in theaters, uh, which I think it would have been very successful in the box office. So I'm glad that it's doing so well on a streaming site as well. Yeah, yeah. And I and I do think it's important. I think it's an important film. It's the first of its kind. uh, And that's not nothing. And of course, it's a little clumsy and it has some issues. But for the first one, I do think it's actually it's it is groundbreaking whether or not we have issues. Yeah, I definitely think that I like what that person in the article said, where it's a stepping stone for you know, these mistakes that they made in this movie to be corrected in the future. Uh, No movie is going to be perfect, especially not a rom-com, especially not a Christmas movie. But I think that when you're handling a very real topic with very real emotions with an audience that's going to be watching it, that's experienced a lot of those same things, I think you have a responsibility to show a healthier relationship. So I hope that in the future, when these movies come out, they show a little bit of a healthier relationship. Well, yeah. The the thing is, like, (laughs) 
you can there are unhealthy relationships right there are unhealthy lesbian relationships however for it to be the first one you know what I mean like let there just be joy let people just have joy in a Christmas movie and then once we have 10 15 of these movies that feature LGBTQ couples, maybe then start introducing some problematic right. or like I would, toxic relationships. I would love to you know? see like a normal fucking Christmas movie, but where yes. the two main characters happen to be gay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it doesn't, we don't you have agree. to, where I understand where it's important to tell these stories 100%, they need to be told. But I also want to just see gay people mm-hmm. living their lives lgbtq yes. people living their lives and just being normal people and not having to like defend themselves and you know right you can show the unique challenges that maybe exist within that um while it's still being a largely like accepted and joyful kind of healthy relationship yeah. i mean i feel like that was something that I enjoyed in watching Schitt's Creek and that Dan Levy actually talked a lot about that he really wanted Schitt's Creek to be a place where like there and yes, it's not the real world, but you know that when you're watching yeah. it, right? Where it's just like you could just see gay people existing yeah. and people just being happy for them and their love. And it, that's part of what made it so endearing. Right. Because you know. this tiny town in Schitt's Creek, you know, wasn't necessarily up in arms. and It wasn't it wasn't a big plot point. That, you know, Dan and um, what's his boyfriend's Patrick. name? Patrick. God, I love Patrick. That they got together. You know what I mean? It was just a very normal part of the story. Mm-hmm. It wasn't made into any big deal. So I hope to see more of that kind of filmmaking in the future. Yep. <laughs> That's all yeah, I got to say. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> uh, wow. We, wow. This is the longest. <laughs> this is a long episode. This is Actually, we went pretty long when we did The Problematic Presidents. But I think besides that, this is the longest episode we've done in quarantine. For sure. Yes. For sure. Uh Well, we hope that you're all with us, that you didn't turn this off halfway through because it's getting so long. And I hope that you really enjoyed um, our thoughts on Happiest Season. If you have any thoughts that you want to share about this movie, I know both of us would really love to hear what you have to say. So go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us and follow us on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yamp Podcast. Y A N F Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. Go ahead to the business page and rate and review us and then go over to that group page and chat with the other listeners. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it so much and you'll be featured on our Instagram for Reviews Day Tuesday. Last but not least, if you don't already, go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It is a free way for you to listen and it helps us out just a teeny tiny bit. All right, that's all we got for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you. To rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.